Well, it's good to be here again this evening. When we've enjoyed our our time here with you, and uh, put some names to some faces a little better than we did before, and especially when they see you at Bible school and you know once or twice a year. After a few years, we kind of should know who you are, but we don't always remember who you are. Uh, so yeah, it's it's good to be here again, and uh, look forward to seeing you at Bible school in a few weeks. Thanks for your hospitality. Um, you you know how to you know how to cover lots of ground on here. You have lots of places to shed your light. You got to shed from Northern Iowa to. I mean, it's I I told my family today. I said, "Well, we put on 500 miles since we've been here, uh, running around," and. Uh, so it's it's been good. Uh, we've enjoyed seeing all these different places. Thank you for your gifts, and thank you as well for your your uh, housing. Um, my wife said she would like to come along, but she would like to have a place. It'd have to be the right place where there wasn't too much stimulation. Things would be kind of calm. And I think we might have even discussed the apartments would be a good fit. And then we found that out, and was like, yes, that's that's perfect. So. That, that was just great for us. Thank you very much. The last song we sang had this phrase in it. Finish then thy new creation. Pure unspotted let us be. Let us see our whole salvation perfectly secured by thee. Change from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place. Till we cast our crowns before thee. Cast in, lost in wonder, love, and Phrase, but the the phrase that caught my mind was "finish then thy new creation." I think that's I think we are here because we are seeking the Lord because we are new creations. But then we need to have that finished in our lives, and so Lord, we would desire that you would finish that that work in our lives. Several years ago, we had Brother Brian Yoder at our church for meetings, and we always. We go back and forth with Northwood a lot, and so they have meetings, and we're over there, and vice versa. And uh, came Sunday night, and nobody from Northwood showed up. It was very strange. Normally, that's like a big night, and it was just our little church there. And I was kind of like bummed out. It was like, well, this is kind of a bummer. And uh, Ryan preached the mes- a message called Encouragement for the Small Church. And it was, it was just what we needed that night. It was It was perfect. Uh, that's not. I'm not preaching encouragement for the small church because I wouldn't say that's what you have for tonight. But I would like to just preach a message of encouragement. Let's pray before we begin. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are have redeemed us and that you are finishing that work. And as we look at your word tonight, would you encourage us, challenge us to be more like you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1 this evening. I'm often amazed by Paul's writings, and we're going to look at both Ephesians, and then later we'll look at uh, 1 Corinthians as well. But Paul seemed to have a knack for finding the good in people. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. 
The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Believers in Jesus inspire me. I get pretty pumped up when I meet a believer. Now, I'm a Mennonite. I'm a Mennonite pastor. And I believe and and teach the Bible, and I'm unashamed of what we believe. And I I I think I can firmly say that I think we're probably we're um, in a good place. I'm not going to say we're perfect. Okay, I'm not going to say that. But I think we're in a good spot. And I hope if you were to pick a church that was the so if you were going to pick a church that was the closest you could to what it would what a church should be like. It should be this one right here because this is where you are, okay? If you don't think this is the best one, then you better move to where that is the best place, okay? So by your testimony, I hope you're here because you think this is the closest that you're aware of. And as Mennonites, we we believe in, in parts of the Bible and we practice parts of the Bible that others do not. And we hold a standard that others do not. And I believe these things are not just preferences of the Mennonites. There are things we do which are strictly culture, okay? Um, people come to ask my daughter, Hardy, so what's that white thing on your head? Well, she said, it's a covering. Oh, you do that because you're a Mennonite? No, she said, I do that because I'm a Christian. The kind of covering it is, that's because I'm a Mennonite. I mean, there's lots of ways you could do it, and this this is the way Mennonites do it, but the covering is not a Mennonite issue. The covering is a Christian issue. Okay, So there's things like that which are, these are not just preferences. And when I meet a person who is a Christian, I get, get, and they're excited, I get all fired up too. They don't have to be like me. I might disagree with them on some points of doctrine. Um, but I see someone who's sincerely following the Lord, I, I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, we tell our children sometimes, they'll ask us, so is, is that person a Christian? Um, I don't know how you answer that question. Do we say, no, they're not? Well, or do you say, yes, they are? Well, then why aren't they doing So we say, well, they're a professing Christian. They, they make a profession of faith. And then one time my children said, so daddy, is he a profess, is he a real Christian or is he just a professing Christian? <laughs> but I think you kind of know what I'm saying there. You're like, we, we, we're not, we don't want to be judgmental about it and it's not the way we would see it in, in the Bible. And when I see people, you know, they, and so I'm saying they don't have to be like me, but I see them growing in the Lord. There's something thrilling about that. And a number of years ago, my my dad was well back up. Our youth were in Duluth singing in at the they were at a uh, rescue mission, and then they went to the nurse to the fu- oh, not the funeral. They went to the hospital to sing for someone, and I don't believe they was there. And they were walking down the hall, and they walked by this room, and they recognized the person in this room. And I don't know who recognized who first, but anyhow, so they went and sang for him. And his name was Fuzzer, St. Peter. And uh, Fuzzer was about as wicked and vile as they come. And 
So they sang for him, and Fuzzler had just been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and not given much time to live, and they were sending him home the next day. And so he goes home, and because of that connection or something, anyhow, he called my dad. and wanted my dad to go meet with him. So my dad went and met with him, and and he, he, he was dying. He needed to know about the Lord. So my dad explained the way of salvation to him, just, just like this right here. I know it was. And he explained it to him. And uh, Fuzzler says, yep, he wants to do that. And my dad says, now, just a minute. We're not here just to have a foxhole conversion. Just because you're dying and going to heaven, that's that's not the point. Like, you got to be sincere, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's sincere. And my dad says, and there's going to be things you're going to have to take care of when you're aware of them. And uh, God's going to bring these things to your mind. Oh, yeah, yeah, he wants he wants to do that. Well, Fuzzler gave his heart to the Lord. And Fuzzler started having devotions twice a day. <laughs> reading his Bible. And... And his language changed. And he was just like, he was just like a different man. And Fuzzler only lived for a week or two. And when he died, um, his wife, second wife, called my dad and said, would you preach the funeral and would you share what you told Fuzzler that day? And so my dad was at the Covenant Church, probably holds three... 300 people or a little better. Um, and he has his overhead projector in the front, <laughs> and he just explained what he told Fuzzer right here. He says, you know, he says, uh, some of you are probably here today, and Fuzzer's probably done some, you know, he probably needs to make, should have made some restitutions to some people. You know, and and that, that there was not time for that to take place. You know, but that's, that's pretty exciting. That's pretty exciting. And I'll admit he was married the second time. And then a few weeks later, his his wife, whatever you want to call her, she calls my dad and she's just sobbing. She said, what we did was so wrong back when they got together. I, I don't know how, what all, but I, uh, there, there seemed to be a seed and it was exciting. The thief on the cross, we mentioned him the other night. Isn't that, like, that's exciting. There's a guy in our town and uh, he works at the golf course. And they showed up at Northwood one time for meetings. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. And they're, they're not like us. okay? They're like pretty high class. okay? She's like a hairdresser. And she's always dolled right to the tees. I mean, she it's... it's, it's anyhow, so I, I said, so is Tom still working the golf course? Oh, no, she said. He gave that up. The Lord took care of that. And I was like, oh, really? Kind of... Okay. And oh, she's, he's, he got a hold of the Bible and he started reading it and he's different. Oh, he's just like a changed man. And it, and it was, again, they're not where I would be. I would have some serious questions about them, but there's something happening there. You know, they were at Northern every night for meetings, just, just plugging away every night. Um, and that inspires me. That inspires me. I think that's why I like going to Bible school. It's because I get inspired. Not because... All these students are mature, okay? Um, sorry if you're going to be a student next year. <laughs> but sometimes Eric says, you know, they are only 17. Like, we got to give them a little grace, you know? <laughs> and they act like they're 17 sometimes. And I'm not inspired because of their maturity, but I'm inspired because of their potential. And like, I have a room full, you know, i got 20 kids in my class, and just look at where these guys could go. Like someday, you guys are going to be the teachers. You're going to be the preachers. You're going to be the matrons. You're going to be the pastor's wives. You're going to be the mission. Like that's you. And that's exciting. 
That's, God can do that. I come here. Justin Burkholder, where he's, where's, so Justin's one of those guys that inspires me back there. So he was my, one of my students back in the day probably. And, uh, you know, he's gonna be te- sitting with me in the teacher study this year. I don't know if the, I'm not sure what that does to the air of the teacher study having Justin in there, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, okay? He inspires me. Someone who's serving the Lord. I hired Justin Venar this summer. And, uh, he's 18 years old. He turned 18, so he was 17. And, uh, you know, I sit down for lunch and I pray a prayer for my lunch and, and if Justin's sitting there beside me, I gotta wait for another minute or two until Justin's done praying. And Justin's just a sincere young man. And I, he's, he's just a solid guy. I like him. He inspires me. So I, a couple years ago, I think we were here, I think we were here the Sunday after Christy was diagnosed with cancer. I think you just had her diagnosis that week. And I don't know Delvin real well, but, you know, I knew him when he was three years old. But somewhere along the way I asked, so, how's, how's Delvin doing? And the word I got was, you know, him and Christy, they're, they're just, they're just doing really good. It's just, they're just solid. This is, well, it's hard, but it's, it's good. They're, they're doing well. I, I'm kind of, I just think it's pretty cool. So I hear they go by the graveyard and they honk the horn and wave when they go by. And I like, sure, why not? That's great. Um, that inspires me. I was sitting in the teacher's study today trying to prepare for the night. And the youth were there playing volleyball. And pretty soon here comes my son Carl and Jocelyn and Jared. And they all come in there and sit down in these chairs. And they're like, wow, it's like we don't normally get to sit in these chairs in here, you know. And... Uh, they sat there for half an hour. Three solid young guys. They'll go places. They inspire me. Christians that are serving the Lord. Now they're not perfect, by the way. Don't get anything, don't, don't think anything. I know you're not perfect. Um, but I, but I can see that God's working in their life. And when God's working in someone's life, there's power there. It, it's, it can be changed. And Paul says, ever since I heard of your faith, I've been praying for you. You're, this is good. Uh, keep your finger in, in uh, Ephesians here. We're going to come back to that and go to 1 Corinthians. Whenever I, whenever I go through the book of 1 Corinthians or whatever, I'm, I'm always amazed this, this first chapter here. Um, so Corinth is, the book of Corinthians is a book of a church with problems. Like if you think you have problems in your church, just read the book of Corinthians. It's it's pretty brutal. Um, in fact, if I heard that your church was like this church, I don't know if I'd have words like Paul has for this church. Okay, I'd be like, well, I don't know. Uh, Dwight better be getting his act together. Or maybe I won't be going there. I'm, there were some terrible things going on in this church. First Corinthians chapter one and verse one. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, let's, okay. So what was going on first? What was going on in Corinth? What were the issues? They have pretty bad immorality, okay? A guy is living with his stepmother, it would appear to be like, and he was kind of, they were kind of proud of it, you know. We extend lots of grace in this church, we put up with lots of people, you know, or, yeah, okay? What else? What was their other problems?
They were fighting over who was the best minister. They were fighting over meat offered idols. They were fighting over who had the best gifts. You know, I'm more talented than you are because I can speak in tongues. Well, yeah, but I can speak truth and you can't speak truth. Um, that, they, they just, problems. Okay, now that's the context, okay? Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ to the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, <laughs> the church of God, which is in Corinth, to them that are, what? Sanctified. Huh. To them that are sanctified in Christ, he is called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which was given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> you are enriched in everything. Like you guys, you're, you're learning. You're got, you got this all together. You're enriched in utterance and in knowledge. And, and even the testimony of Jesus Christ is confirmed in you. And you're, and you're coming behind no man. Like you're, you're keeping your own here. You're doing just fine. Verse 8. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the key to that whole passage there, I think, is kind of like when I go to Bible school. It's not that I'm inspired by the maturity because they're still learning. And that's that's not a slam if you're 17, okay? So I'm not slamming the 17-year-olds and saying, well, they're, you know, they're just a bunch of immature guys. They should have it together. And I'm not saying that. They're still learning. Um, remember what we were like when we were 17. I'm not, I'm not slamming them. But the key here, though, is that God is faithful. That's the exciting part. And that God is faithful, and I know that I may have problems, but I know God is going to be faithful to, to take care of those problems. You know, Fuzzer has problems. There was no doubt about that Fuzzer had problems that need to be taken care of. But you know what? If he has put his faith in Jesus Christ, God is faithful and will point those things out to him. That's exciting, that God is faithful. So back to Ephesians. If you notice the things he's he's praying for here, he's praying for um, there, there's some people here who need some help. And as I as I said before, um, we we have not reached perfection. Okay, we're we're not there. We're we're again we're closer to the bottom of the total pole than the top. And and I, I don't face the same issues I faced before, but I face different issues, and I'm not sure I'm getting them all right. I still struggle. What's the best way to do things? And and what does God want me to do here? And and they're they're like bigger issues, I guess I would say. Um, like for instance, so I I struggle with with business and and church work and family and. Like what's what's the point? How how do I do all that? And, and what's you know? I'm like, there's a Baptist minister up there who works four days a week and he takes Wednesdays off. These people really don't appreciate when you work, tear their bathroom apart Monday and Tuesday and then you take Wednesday off. You know that they want their bathroom back together again. Um, that's his day off that he takes off. Um, so, but like, how? What does God want in my life? And, and I, I would say I'm searching. I think we all, as men like Justin was just saying, so how does business fit in his life and what's he supposed to do? 
Well, you know what? That's just that's just something we got to figure out. Where do we go? And, and we struggle. There are things we struggle with. Maybe we struggle with something different. But we 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 struggle with things. But we're here because God is faithful, not because we're perfect. Because He continues to draw us. And I need passages like this. This passage here is pretty exciting. You know, we get, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get discouraged. I just see myself as a uh, kind of a failure. Like, oh, that was a real flop. Um, I did a funeral one time and I got all done and I got home and I was like, oh, I completely forgot about this point here. I should, oh, I would just, I just no, oh, it just felt terrible. Um, we get discouraged and like, this is where I'm supposed to be and God's called me to do that and I'm not doing this and, and, but this passage here is inspiring. So verse 17, so verse 16 says, I cease not to give thanks for you and to make mention of my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So how many of you would like to just open up the Bible and just get it? It just, you just understand it, the whole thing, and it's like, wow! Because there's some really cool things there. And we don't. <laughs> we struggle. We, we get it, and we have to get a commentary, and we study, and we get this, and like, I, I don't know if I really understand this verse. But he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, this almighty God of heaven, will give you, give me, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Wouldn't wouldn't that be really great? Wouldn't that be exciting? I could understand this word. Um, there's so much I I don't know, and I sit down and sometimes I just don't get it. And I read through a passage and I read through a passage and I I don't know what that means. Um, and I, I love for wisdom like that. And Paul says I'm I'm praying that for you, that you would have that as a church. Verse 18, he's also praying that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. What's it mean to be enlightened? You know, you're just, all of a sudden the light bulb just comes on. You're like, oh! It's kind of like the time I was, I mentioned here the other night, so I was facing anxiety and I came home and I shared my testimony with my church. And all of a sudden I see this brother over here and there's tears just running down his face and I was just, oh, now I know why when he was sick a few years ago, he was just beside himself. And we're like, brother. I mean, this is literally what we thought. We're like, brother, where's your faith? Like, you know, if you die, you go to heaven. Like, why are you why are you freaking out? And now it's like, oh, now I, you know, I didn't know what they mean. I was enlightened. But this is so strange. Like, this isn't something, when, you know, this is like being at a presidential debate and we have Trump and Biden going back and forth. And Biden says, well, here's this and this and this. And Trump goes, oh, I, I get it now. I never saw that before, you know. Uh, this, is, this is like a sea change. This is like, ah, oh, this is a complete turnaround. Being enlightened. In the middle of COVID, we all had our, our opinions and things that we thought and whatever. And, and I said I was diabolically opposed to myself. I could argue either side of the issue. You know, should you wear a mask? Or it wasn't important or whatever. And uh, we're sitting at a, we're sitting in the, my folks had a 50th wedding anniversary that summer. And it was a big weekend there and I try, kind of tried to stay out of the COVID debate all weekend. I just stayed away from that. Sunday afternoons when we were sitting around and we kind of got, this discussion got going. And all of a sudden I said, hold, hold on a little bit, hold on. 
Okay, I'm, I'm listening. Keep talking. I think I'm seeing something here. And they kept talking, and all of a sudden, I saw the completely different side I had never seen before. I said, okay, I got it. I, I, I see where you're at. Okay, we're going to approach this a little differently now. Oh, it was a sea change. It was completely different. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Okay, so the, so I understand the scripture. I know what, whatever. Psalms 23, Psalms 1, Psalms, I've read this passage. I've memorized it. I know exactly what it means. And all of a sudden, God says, here, this is some, here's something new. Oh, my eyes were enlightened. Isn't that exciting? And that's what we need in Christ Jesus is for eyes to be enlightened. Um, and, and not just that the other people who disagree with me would have their eyes enlightened so that they would see the right point, but that I would have my eyes enlightened. That's what we need. We need to see Jesus' perspective of this. What would our lives be like if we could all understand this scripture perfectly? Like, wouldn't church be different if we all came and we all had a perfect understanding of this? It might not be as much fun because we wouldn't have things to learn. But it would be just perfect understanding. And Paul says, you know, you're, you're a church here and you've, you've, this is a church that loses their first love. And he says, I'm praying for you that you can have your eyes enlightened, that you can, you can be somebody. And, and we try. I'm not saying we don't try. But you know, we're human and we see through a glass darkly. And we don't, we don't get all this stuff. And Paul says, I would like you to know that. And I would like you to know the hope of his calling. The hope of Christ's calling. Like, like the, the glory. So Christ is calling us to himself, and I would like you to understand the hope of that. I'd like you to understand how great that is. Like, can we get that? I don't think we get it. I would like you to know that, Paul says. That's, that's my desire for you. And he would like us to know what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints is. He would like us to know the wealth, the fullness, the abundance of the glory. That's that's a real mouthful there, okay? He would like you to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance. One of my friends used to work at the lumberyard, and he got hired on at the city. And I talked to him a few months later. I said, so how do you like your new job? He's like, it's wonderful. He says, I, it's I still am learning all the benefits that I get. He said it, it took him. He said it took him later. He says it took him a whole year to figure out all the benefits he got. Because he got this here, and then he gets overtime, and then he gets paid vacation, and then he gets paid holidays, and then he gets this here, and then he gets retirement. He said it took him a whole year to figure out all the benefits that he got. And this is way better than that. We have a guy in town. His name is Dennis Wagner. His nickname is Bimbo. Um, Probably one of the richest guys in town. And so I asked, I asked the question at church. I said, so what if you were to inherit everything that Bimbo had? So we started listing all the things that Bimbo had. So he has a house on the lake uptown. And if I got the numbers right, so he's, he's probably 70. And uh, this last year or two, he tore off 1,800 square feet and added 3,000. Okay, That was just the addition that he did besides however big the house was. So you would inherit that. He has a construction business. So he does road construction. He does street construction. He has a crew in in Minnesota. He has a whole other crew in Arizona. They have a crew in North Dakota. Um, you'd inherit all of that. He has a private plane, which flies his 
people back and forth between these sites. He has a ready-mix plant and uh, does pretty good. Well, really, he was he was the local ripoff until the new plant came to town. He had to drop his prices by $25 a yard. Um, he has a ready-mix plant. He has a logging business, so he can keep his construction employees busy in the wintertime. Uh, he has trucks. He has a big office with knowledgeable employees. He has a house in Florida. He has a cabin on the north side of Rainy Lake. He has a hunting shack, a hunting cabin, estate, probably bigger than my house, uh, out in the middle of the swamp, um, plus the things I don't know about. And Lester Schrock says, oh, and you didn't know about this and this and this. Oh, yeah, okay. And and the inheritance of Jesus Christ, like, like we have no clue what that is. That's, that's way bigger. This is, this is just man's. So, but what is, and he would like you to know what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So what is that? Um, is it, it says it's his inheritance in the saints. Is it something in us? Is it redemption? Like he would like us to know the, the glories of, of redemption? Um, and now maybe I'm theologically wrong here, but as near as I can understand English, and as, as I put this sentence here together, so I would like, I would like your eyes to be enlightened, okay, that you would know the hope of His calling, and I would like you to know your eyes to be enlightened that you would know the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. You know what I think that's saying? I would like you to understand the fullness of the wealth of the glory that we are to Jesus. Okay, look at that. I'd like you to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance, what he's inheriting, okay? What Christ is inheriting in the saints. Well, no, just a minute. I thought we're the ones that get the inheritance. And he says, no, I want you to understand I would like you to be have your eyes enlightened that you would understand how important you are to the bridegroom and what he's going to inherit in you. That's what we're going to. That's what we're going to get. I, I would like you to be able to understand that. I said I get excited about Christians. You know what? I think Jesus gets really excited about Christians. Like this. This. He's, he's excited about us. He's excited about believers. He came so that we could bring glory to Him. And we kind of, you know, and some people, we kind of get this idea that we come, God does these things for us so that we can go to heaven. Okay, yeah, but the point is, He wants to bring glory to Himself, and we don't know how much glory we're bringing to Himself. And Maybe this is irreverent, but maybe God wants to kind of stick it in Satan's eye and say, huh, look at all my people and what they bring to me. They're bringing glory to God. I think, I think that's exciting. That we, we bring glory to God. And, and we, and I get discouraged. (laughs) Poor me. I just, you know, I'm trying to do this and things aren't going so well and, and I'm trying to serve the Lord and I'm all kind of discouraged. And God says, you know, I'm, I'm excited about you, and I'm excited you're my child, and, and, I, and I, I'm just really pumped about you, and I'm not all pumped about me, but God is. Isn't that exciting? Verse 19, 
And he would like us to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. The exceeding greatness of his power for us. For it's, it's not his power that he gets to do, but it's his power for us. That we can understand what this, this is for us. And he would like us to understand that. And then the next several verses he goes on and explains what this power is, okay? So this power that, this exceeding greatness of his power that is to usward who believe is the power, verse 20, which wrought Christ when he raised him from the dead. That's, that's a lot of power. That's a lot of power. And set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Like, he took Christ out of the grave where he was dead and he raised him up. He didn't just raise him up. He takes him and he sets him on high above everything that ever is. All the principalities, the powers, the might. Like, he's it. He's, he's the greatest one that there is. Not only in this world, but in that which is to come. It, you think he's great now? He's going to be great later. It it's, doesn't stop. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He has everything. And the power that gave him everything, I would like you to know, Paul said, that this power is to us as well. This is to us as, as his people. That power is still alive in our, at work in our lives today. Raises us up spiritually, gives us grace physically. Um, it's, it's there. It's like God still does miracles. Does he always do miracles the way we like him? No, he does not. But he still does miracles. And he still can do miracles. And when he does those miracles, like, we can rejoice in those things. Some of you heard us talking today about going to Grenada last year. And I, it was probably the most, the clearest demonstration of a, of miracles that our family has ever experienced. That like, you know, like someone says, you keep, the devil kept setting up roadblocks and God just kept knocking them down. <laughs> and it, and it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, like we said, well, Lord, we like go to Grenada, work this out so we can go. Okay, there you go, that's all taken care of, you can go. <laughs> no, it wasn't that way at all. It was, uh, well, we weren't gonna go. My daughter says, don't even come. It's just too hard. Finally I said, well, also I said, well, if your pastor thinks it's too difficult to get down there, we won't go. And then, in the meantime, he heard that we were thinking we might try to come, and he, and he got all excited about, yeah, he would like us to come, because no one had been there in a year and a half, or, yeah, it'd been a long time. They had a board member, anybody come down there, and they would, they would, if we could get there, they would be happy. I said, well, okay, let's try. My daughter says, I don't know if you can. I said, well, we won't know until we try. So we bought tickets. And then, and then they brought in this testing deal, and you had to test it three days before you go. Well, except we, I wasn't going to tell the whole story, but I might as well tell the whole story. So, so, what? Three days before we go is on a Saturday. Well, there's no testing in International Falls on a Saturday. 
we can't get out of here. I said, we're doomed. I guess we'll just have to cancel our trip. Well, then I'm looking online. Well, what do you know? There's a test. You can go to Duluth and test on Saturday. Okay. Well, let's try that. So we go to Duluth. And this was the spit test. You didn't have to have that stick stuck up in your brain, you know. I thought this would be just pretty good. I'll be happy with that. How many of you had to have the stick stuck in your brain? Okay. Uh, it's, it's not really fun. Um, anyhow, so I said, well, this would be great. So um, my wife said about two days before, you know, I should maybe practice spitting with these little girls we got. That's what we did. We drove three hours one way to spit. That's what we did. And, well, what do you know? Kendra was having trouble spitting. And so Martha looks it up online, and diabetics have a dry mouth. Well, we got to try. So we drive down there, and uh, Carl made this little video. He's like, well, we just drove three hours to come spit. So we get down there, and uh, it it's amazing how much you can't spit when you're supposed to. <laughs> and you're, you're, everybody's mouth dries up. I'm serious. It was like, this is more work than I thought it was going to be. And we all got done. And there was a couple bubbles in the bottle, bottom of Kendra's little test tube. And so this ain't going to work. So we're all done. Well, now what do I say? And Martha, so she sits down, gets a phone out, starts playing some videos, and Kendra just kind of keeps scraping the top of her lip. It went on for an hour and 15 minutes. I'm sitting over here leaning against the wall with my eyes closed. The kids thought I was sleeping. I said, oh, no, I was praying. But I was sure we were done. This was the end of our trip. And uh, an hour and 15 minutes later, we finally had enough, and we turned them all in. I went home a discouraged man. I said, this is a, this is a, there was no white-coated labs and lab people in there. It was all people walking around with garbage cans and orange vests on collecting stuff and cleaning tables, and it looked like a, should have been garbage cleaners, not medical people. And they said, well, we can send this, we'll call you with the results. And if you're not there, you don't get them. I said, well, I have to have this in email form. Well, they, it was a complicated deal, and I said, I don't. I got to church the next day. I said, I don't think we're going. I don't think this test was valid. I don't think it's going to work. Sunday afternoon, about 5 o'clock, we got our first test back. Oh, by the way, so we're going to leave Monday, okay? We're, we're leaving Monday. And so we're all packed. We're going to be gone for three weeks or two weeks or whatever. So we're all packed. But we don't know if we're going yet. And uh, so about Sunday afternoon, about 5 o'clock, we got our first test. And it was negative. But that's the other thing. You have to have six negative tests. What if somebody got sick in the meantime after we bought tickets? Or what if somebody had a false positive? <laughs> You're doomed either way. It doesn't matter. We can't leave someone home because now the rest have been exposed if they were sick. So, you know, so we had to have, it had to be perfect. And I got the first one. It was negative, And I looked at that. And I printed it out. And I said, I think this is everything we need. This is right here. And so we go, ding, 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 ding. Ding. But we need six. <laughs> I don't have mine yet. Next, and then we're checking email, you know, refreshing all the time, you know. And next morning, we're going to leave, what, nine, ten o'clock or whatever, and I got up, no test. About eight o'clock, here comes my test. Negative. Oh, cool. Um, so I guess, I guess we can leave now. So we, we leave and we get down to Minneapolis and we get the motel and now we're waiting on confirmation from Grenada that we can get into Grenada. We had, it took me hours to fill out the forms and they had to send me this confirmation before I can get on the plane. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So I called Krista. She's all try to call from down here in the morning. Maybe it'll help if it's a Grenada phone number. She says, you call first. So I called six o'clock, got up, called them right away when they opened a date down there and I says, 
So I have these forms in there. Wouldn't there be a chance I'd get them in the next couple hours? I was being kind of nice, you know. Well, she's I can get them in the next few minutes. Ding, 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 ding. They all come popping in. I print them out. It's like, cool. Carl says, how did, he says, wouldn't it be disappointing if we went and we weren't supposed to? <laughs> like, like, we don't want to go if God doesn't want us to go. So, but we're going to try. So we tried. And we got to the airport and the guy goes through all of our paperwork and checks it all off and he says, you're good to go. And we're like, oh, praise the Lord. Here we go. So we get down to, we fly to Miami that night and we get a motel there and and to stay overnight and get to the airport the next morning and you and you get there and you don't even get to the ticket agent and here's this here's this long line of people and if you're going to this country or this country you pick wherever you get there and then they get up there and then they pull up your country and you're going to Grenada and you have to have a negative PCR test and you have to have this travel form and you have to have this and have to have this and so they went through all that stuff and they checked it all off and we were all good to go. It's like, oh, praise the Lord. We made it. So then we went through there and we got to the ticket agent and then he starts going through all that information again and double checking it all, making sure, making sure it's right. And he comes to our tests and we tested on Saturday because we were going to fly on Tuesday. So we, so, so it'd be Saturday, it'd be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We flew on Tuesday, right? From Minneapolis. Well, now we're in Miami the next day and this is Wednesday. So now he's count, I'm, he's sitting there and he's going, and the fourth finger starts going. I'm like, uh, I just stand there calm. Don't say anything. <laughs> He's sitting there. Uh, well, he said, let me go talk to somebody. And so he turns around. I turn to the family. I said, pray. We're not through yet. He comes back and he looks at it and he looks at it. And it was like he thought he shouldn't let us go, but he thought maybe we should. And then he said, well, why are you going? As well, our daughter's down there and, you know. Pretty soon he starts punching in things and getting tickets, printing them out, and takes his orange marker and puts a check on the first ticket. Then he gets out a red marker, very deliberately, puts a big check right there beside the orange, very specifically. Goes through all of them very specifically, just marking them out. And I said, so do I need my... So things were feeling... I was feeling a little more relaxed now. I said, do I need my, my... Tests here? No, he says, That's, I checked these all off. You're good to go. You can bury those tests or whatever. And I said, well, sir, thank you very much. I said, it's a miracle that we get to go. Like, God's just, it's just been a miracle. He's like, you don't know how big of a miracle it is. Well, let me back up. When we're going through that first line, they're checking things off. People on both sides of me are being rejected. And we made it. And they're like, well, you got the wrong test. You got this, you know. And, and He says, you don't know how big of a miracle this is. He said, you're... Your test here, he says, some came in like three days, some four days. So, so my, my test had a different date on it because I came in on Monday morning instead of Sunday. He says, some were three, some were four. And, and well, he says, but I, I marked them here and, and no one has to look at your test again. You take your test and bury those in the bottom of your bag and you're, you're good to go. And we got down there. Oh, and then our other question was, so what if we get to the country and then they lock down the country and we're stuck there? Because Krista had been stuck there the summer before. I said, well, then I guess we'd be missionaries in Grenada for the winter. That'll be, I don't, I'll be fine with that. Uh, I don't like winter. Um, we got down there, and, and what do you know when we get there? All of a sudden, they have a rash of COVID cases, and they start locking the country down. And Krista says, well, Dad, what are we, how are they going to have church Like, if, if we can't have church? I said, I don't know. But I know God got us here. And if he got us here, he'll, I, I, 
there's got to be some kind of a plan for us. And so we got out of quarantine and we had, and we tested all negative there. And we had church Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then on Monday they put a curfew in and no more evening services. But we were done. And like Carl says, so what if God didn't want us there? But you know what? If God wants us there, He can make this work out. And that, that's so minute. I mean, we're just going on a trip that God worked out the details. But He did. The power to us who believe, it's, it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And God wants to do those things in our lives. If you read the, the news from Christian Aid, and I'll, I, I guess when I when I read the news from Christian Aid, sometimes it, it looks a little clichéish, um, and I know they're preaching they're preaching to the world when they give their updates. But you know, so this is day twenty eight. We are still counting on God to release our. Or we're still praying and asking God to take care of our relatives and our loved ones, and we are trusting Him to do what He knows best. We know He has the power to do that. And I'm like, that sounds a little clichéish. But you know what? God's got the power. Like he, he it's there. You know, he can. He could go in and just like send a bolt of lightning and boom, they're gone like Peter and Paul and Silas. I mean, it, it could happen. It's there. It's true beyond our wild, like the power of God is true beyond our wildest dreams. And that's the God that we serve. And he would like us to know that. That is his, that is his desire for us. You know, I think Paul was just a, a normal man. We call him the Apostle Paul. You know, he was kind of this great hero of the faith. But I think he was, I think he was like us. You know, and he tried to explain to the Jews of Jerusalem about Jesus. He traveled and told others. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was abused. He was misunderstood. He tried to help people. And here's this little church in Ephesus. And he's writing a letter to him. And you know, when he first got there, there was this riot and this uproar. And he almost got... In fact, I think, that if I remember right, the story in Acts, didn't the other guy that was with him, wasn't he beaten really severely? And I think I think Paul got away from that. These are the ones who were into witchcraft and they burned their, they burned their sorceries there and their books. These were the ones that worshipped the great goddess Diana. And you know what? They... They repented and they believed and Paul said, you bless me. I, I mean, you, you got problems yet, but, but I'm excited about you. This is exciting. I am glad. I thank God for you. I pray for you. That he would give you wisdom. He'd give you knowledge. He'd give you understanding of how great it is. And you know, and, and we are just, maybe you feel like you've got the world by the tail, but I don't. I feel like I'm just kind of a fumbling, bumbling guy that trying to get, get around and, and, I think every time I get in front of the students of Maranatha Bible School and get behind the pulpit, I'm like, how did I get here? Like, really, me? Um, like, <laughs> I, I don't have anything. And all we can do is come to God and say, here we are. I want to serve you. I want to give my heart to you. Please justify me. Please sanctify me. And God says, you know what? You bless me. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to be your father. I'm glad you're one of my sons. I heard someone say one time that they would like to be a bright spot in God's day. I don't know if that's theologically correct or not. But 
I, I would like to serve God in such a way that when he's looking over the world, he sees me and I have a bright spot in his day. He's like, oh, there's my son down there. And uh, he's, he's, he's got some problems. Yeah, he'll figure that out. We'll, we'll, we'll get those taken care of eventually. I'm, I'm faithful. We'll, we'll get there. Wouldn't you like to be the bright spot in God's day? The warm spot in his heart when he sees you? May God bless each of you as you, as you do that. May God bless you as a church, as you are a bright spot in this community. And God is faithful, and he will take our imperfections, and he will draw us to him. And he's excited about us. And that's pretty exciting. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we serve a great God, and you have made us and redeemed us because you wanted to, and because you wanted to bring glory to yourself. And Lord, we are small and frail and just just a little less. But you delight in us. And we we are so grateful. Now it's just beyond what we can imagine. Lord, help each of us to do our best, to do our part, to serve you, to bring glory to you, and to be a bright spot in your day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.